Welcome back everyone to another episode of our podcast The Skeptic Life. I am Aditi and I am Vaishnavi and today we have with us another special guest. Joshua Balata is an Indian expat living in France. He is also an engineer, a business associate, YouTuber, motivational speaker and teacher. He can speak multiple languages from Tamil, Hindi, Kannada to English, French and he is currently on a quest to learn Dutch and German. He is also mastering the Urdu alphabet. He has been on multiple platforms like TED-Ed where he has expressed his love for learning languages and how it has helped him in life. So welcome to our podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I've never heard uh, such a nice intro before. <laughs> um so I think we can begin our podcast by just um asking you about your origins and how you moved to France and you know how have you learned five languages in your life? um humble beginnings i'm back from india i think uh, for people who live in south india and travel a lot it's uh, kind of uh, obvious that they have to pick up these languages because uh, that's the reality of my parents jobs as well my mom and dad both worked for banks and every time they changed the city because it was mandatory you had to learn the lingo in the new city although it's the same language let's say canada in two cities it's so different the expressions and jokes and everything is so different and you need to learn it so um that's how uh, i picked them up in the beginning uh, i was born in a city called hubli in karnataka then uh, oh. i was raised in <laughs> my grandmother from? from hubli no yeah, uh, seriously yeah. <laughs> nice small world yeah uh then i was raised in belgaum do you know belgaum it's a, it's close to hubli yes yes i have family living i live everywhere in north karnataka actually nice <laughs> I like this Canada more than the South Karnataka Canada because it's closer to my heart. Um but yeah I was uh, 13 years in Belgaum so uh, go, uh, Belgaum also has a lot of Marathi speaking population so I also understand Marathi and I can speak some basic Marathi but I'm not uh, fluent and stuff in Marathi. Um but yeah that was uh, where I began and then my parents moved to Mumbai and uh, 2010 2011 they moved to Mumbai and around that time I moved to Bangalore to study engineering. um and i was doing french alongside engineering and i moved here to uh, to france in 2016 uh and for the second part i think you were asking about how i deal with it and honestly the first part of, uh, i'm really grateful to be in a family where my parents are polyglots and uh, it was like obvious that i should pick the, pick it up you know like my sister too uh, it doesn't seem out of the ordinary she also speaks so many languages um her tamil is way better than mine because she studied in tamil nadu and i didn't um but yeah no i think it's because of that um where i began then i picked up french and now it feels not impossible to do dutch yeah that's great since you've learned so many languages and you've picked up so many languages while traveling so what do you think is the best way to learn languages for me i mean personally i learned hindi and tamil just by watching tv and uh, cartoons on tv so pe- different people have uh, different methods for you is it conversation is it classes or is it just listening to people talk so what works it's definitely not classes for me uh, and like you said you should, if you do what is fun for you um then you'll do it a lot and you'll do it very often like watching tv for example i i know these so many africans uh, i think kenyans and north africans algerians tunisians they are friends of mine here in france they watch bollywood and they speak hindi um it's broken hindi but they didn't study it formally they didn't have a goal they just watched a lot of tv and now they say stuff and they sing songs and everything you know so yeah just like you said i think it's if you can find something that is fun for you um yeah you, you can't go wrong you you just do it so much and it will work 
yeah no but also i think it's uh, uh, for me it's also important to not have a very stringent uh, demanding goal like if you look on youtube people are learning it in like 6 months and all they have these olympics of learning languages um and they do well good for them but if you have the same goal for you then you kind of burn out i feel so don't have such a stringent goal it will take you a year or two or maybe 3 years that's okay if it takes 4 years it's not the end of the world uh, but if it's 10 years that they're living in france and you don't speak french then you're probably doing something wrong you know true i mean uh, i have tried uh, learning languages on duolingo and stuff like that and it works for about a month and then you get good with few words in building sentences and then again after a month i forget everything and i'll have to restart again so these classes just don't work for me um i took some french classes back in india and uh, my teacher told me uh, that i was failing the exam and uh, that uh, she could give me a bonus oral and then i'd be then i would pass <laughs> but i shouldn't come back to french because it's not my thing and i'm like all right uh, i won't come back to it <laughs> no i think classes d- does does not work for me if you organize grammar and tell me to memorize it it just does not work for me i think what started working was when i was in engineering school i made a lot of pen pals and i would send them postcards and letters and stuff and that that worked for me yeah and actually the audience should know that he speaks real fluent <laughs> french yeah. i saw one of your videos yeah. and you could pass off yeah. as a french man yeah. for sure it was exactly. so fluent yes. i i i saw your video when i was you know like self studying french for some exams and i i kind of like to be honest just lost hope a bit because like i could never be as good as you but you know in a way after i saw youtube channel i got more motivated and i was like yeah i can you know i can do this so uh, it's nice to have some kind of vocabulary from duolingo it definitely helps it's not a waste so i think you should mix it up a bit and uh, talk to people uh, that's re- really the litmus test if people can't understand you and you can't understand people you're not doing well enough so then you can go back to the drawing board and see what you need to work on is it hearing is it pronunciation is it delivery uh, is it comprehension you got to go back and work on that instead of just keep doing duolingo you know and it does take time it's not a two week thing uh, at least for average people like you and me it, it takes mm-hmm. time of course yeah so um one problem that i face or something i can relate to is that i don't i i live in norway and i've learned norwegian and i don't feel like myself when i'm speaking the language because it's my fourth language uh and i use it i don't use it with any of my my close friends or with my family i i speak it in school and with the bank or with the kind of you know the uh, the official part of it so that's why i don't feel like i can express myself very clearly uh i i but i don't see the way the, the way you speak french doesn't really seem like that to you so how do you feel yourself when you're speaking french and do you can you express yourself very clearly i think so yeah i don't think i have issues with expressing myself in french um i, I do feel a sense of uh, accomplishment and pride when i speak uh, in french in a way that i don't need english anymore uh, i won't lie it's there i'm really uh, i'm really proud of this journey and i'm happy that i can speak it now uh, but no i think the learning part was so much as i told you earlier was with friends that i've worked that part so much so um, i can be friendly and uh, what's the word convivial uh, making jokes and stuff so something that you would do in family setup um, i'm used to doing that in french so it's not necessarily only for the official paperwork and bank stuff and all of course i can do that but that's not the that's not the most part of my practice so um i can so for example uh, i remember shooting this video with a couple of people who were asking me which sweets to buy in an indian store i put it on my youtube mm. channel yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah and mm. i was telling them uh, finally she, one of those girls said that i love sugar and butter 
so it didn't shock me and I, and i know there's a place in france called brittany where they love sugar and butter and they have these cakes made only of sugar flour and butter it's called brittany so i asked her are you from brittany and it's so culturally relevant that it it becomes a joke how does this indian brown man know that i'm from brittany from you know so it it breaks the okay. it breaks the ice so it, it can mm-hmm. be a huge strength if uh, if you did it right and you know so much about the culture it can be such a huge strength I feel in my skin in French. Mm. I don't feel mm. uh, foreign. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think it's just because I, yeah, I don't have a that kind of like feeling that I don't speak it with my close friends or or anything like that and that's probably the reason and uh the, yeah, that's why. And it's great that you can you can be yourself, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll it'll come to you uh, Aditi. It definitely first takes fluency and then it takes the cultural relevance. it's not the other way around so i you're if you are already fluent in uh, in norwegian then just making some friends and sticking with it i'm i'm sure you'll get to it i kind of have a follow up question to what aditi asked about feeling yourself and uh, i i come from a multilingual household as well and uh, and when i switch languages i subconsciously switch personalities as well like i can i can be really angry in english but i can't pull that off in telugu i cannot express myself Uh, very well and you know you can be more humorous in some languages and uh, in the other you are not and then this is something that i've noticed in other people as well and then it we come across as fake sometimes because of that subconscious switch so have you ever faced that and uh, if you have how have you dealt with it no oh, i've I've, i've definitely faced that and this uh, is definitely i feel like you were when you were saying that i was like yeah exactly right I, tell me about it no i think uh, in english i can be a little strict uh, especially with my job i require to be a little strict with some people uh, not like in a teacher kind of a way but in drawing boundaries and uh, not doing everything for everyone kind of way uh, so that i can only do in english because i'm so comfortable in doing it in a diplomatic way and not being teacher like you know but in french i do struggle with you know drawing boundaries or saying no or uh, putting a different kind of swing to it well this uh, co message is no in english i'd rather say well i'm not sure that's entirely my responsibility something like this which doesn't sound like no but in french i uh, sometimes do struggle with how the hell can i say no without saying no you know so uh, you're right i do struggle with that and we do live in bubbles like uh, my tamil is with my parents to tell about my day and my uh week and how paperwork is going on and stuff like that but if you ask me to talk about physics or video making in tamil i'll fall apart because i don't know the words i've never done this um so yeah you're right we do live uh, have our languages in in those little bubbles and if we get out of it not all my languages are equally the same you know i think english would be up there and tamil would not be the same level to talk about philosophy and stuff yeah i agree with you So moving on I want to ask you a more culture related question me as an indian when i moved to norway i felt like i was on a different planet because the cultures are so vastly different and i'm pretty sure you must have experienced the same thing when you moved to france and there is also a balance that we have to find you know how indian i was supposed to be how norwegian i was supposed to be so how do you deal with it how do you balance two cultures I don't know if I'm doing a very good job at that honestly <laughs> but I'm trying uh, it was quite the culture shock no like you said at the only thing common uh, between french people and indians is the fact that they are both human beings 
Apart from that, everything, <laughs> <laughs> everything else is different. You know, yeah. in India, we rush our food, we finish it faster, and the French just take forever with food, and you shouldn't rush it. In fact, that's impolite. And in India, if you're taking forever with food, that's impolite. So, yeah, no, it's it's just such so different. No, I I really underestimated the culture shock. Uh, I was told by my school they sent me a couple of emails before I moved in. I completely ignored it and said, "Oh, come on! I I can take care of that. I I don't really think culture shock is for. It's for more uh, delicate people. I am tougher than that and stuff. You know, yeah. uh, no. But yeah, yeah, culture shock hit me really bad. Um, it was really difficult to relate with people. I think French people, uh, in my opinion, from my observance, are a very close knit, and they have like three or four friends, and that's that, and they don't want to add many people. uh but back as a student in india it was not the case you would not have three or four friends you would have 50 60 people that you all know and you could invite yourself at any given moment you don't have to preplan it two weeks in in advance and stuff but i'm exaggerating of course but i think the friends in that sense are a little more organized and more private and i was not ready for that so i felt totally real fast and uh, it was difficult to start off so there yeah, is really going into like a desert of not knowing people and no one wanting to be friends or uh, to relate and and to build a relationship with you um, going through that is not easy yeah so what kind of advice would you give people who, like especially like indians who want to move to france what would you tell or do you tell these people uh, i think it's important to talk to someone who's been through it and ask him for his honest feedback about it so then uh, instead of painting a rosy picture like emily in france or emily in paris instead of something that rosy you, you would yeah. build something more realistic mm-hmm. and that's important i think that's the first step uh, but secondly i think the moment you get here before wasting time i think it's important to find something that you uh, that you relate with people with like if you like to make videos and join a club with that if you like yoga then join a club with that if you love working out then find a gym like yesterday uh why i'm saying that is once you find people who do the same activity as you three or four times a week then there is more of a reason to talk with them uh instead of going just to class and everyone always has another plan so it's uh good to find these little centers of interest find out what fascinates or interests you and and make those meetups and especially like even with norwegians their their close friends are probably someone mm-hmm. from school yeah. from long ago and they won't make any new friends from their office and they can be friendly with you but they'll never make you like your best yeah. friend if we have to we have to maintain respect that distance and maintain that uh, yeah so yeah. it's a reality pill you're right uh, mm-hmm. you can't expect them to all behave like indians because they're not um, so yeah in india i remember at least for me this was true where i was not way too close to anyone but i was uh, decent friends with many people and i could not uh, have that uh, here in france and probably the breakfast as well you miss upan dosa no dosa man dosa is the, <laughs> dosa is really the, the good deal like really miss dosas and idli idli vada sambars those those were the best i think uh, here the, the first week when i was eating breakfast it was just so difficult to swallow it because my uh, esophagus was kind of swelling in to not let the cold sweet food in because we are used to some spicy hot food and if it's cold and sweet and bland and white <laughs> I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So like when you learn a language obviously especially in India there are so many dialects and sometimes when you just move a little away from the town or the city that you've learned it from the language might seem absolutely foreign. So while learning has it ever affected you because personally uh, even though I know Kannada really well even though it was my second language I can not understand some of the dialects that well. 
so has it affected your language learning process and how do you pick up dialects when you learn a particular language that's really a, it's a crazy question because it's so loaded uh, no uh, your your right dialects are very very important because uh, we studied kannada in school and uh, there was a completely different kannada it was hale kannada literary stuff uh, when you compare that to people on the street and friends that you know in real life uh those people expect you to speak like everyday people and if you don't then you just don't that's that you know so they'll always keep you at arms distance that this guy doesn't speak our kannada you know uh, and i faced this uh, when i went to bangalore definitely because i de- didn't speak this kannada but then i was neither here nor there neither was an a proper north karnataka guy nor a proper south karnataka guy so that is really a big struggle in india however in france i don't think that's much of a problem because french for the most part is very unified and um they have the standardized sorry they have these local dialects which are now um ex- extinguished i don't know if that's a harsh word uh, we had this uh, one accent called the stimi there was another accent uh, the breton they had their own accent and now it's all gone uh, there's just this unified french which is uh, similar everywhere maybe a couple of words change which is not the case for german very interestingly they have many localized words but fr- french for that matter this issue doesn't exist luckily Yeah, I mean, I think I I don't know, but there was this one video from a, a French minister. I think the south of France they have a bit more like a clear Definitely. accent, a French accent. And they when there was a journalist who was asking this minister a question, and he angrily just waved off like, "What can? What are you speaking?" I think the French are very adamant about this like certain pronunciation, and this this is the way you speak it. Like how Parisian French, that's the French that everyone should speak. Word. I think that's a very harsh way of looking. I like Quebec French. Uh, if you they they have a very English uh, accent, yeah. right? Like they speak they speak very clearly, and you can I mean I can notice the fact that they speak it very differently, and the the French look very harshly on mm-hmm. those people. And I think it's the wrong way of looking at like who decided that the Parisian French is the right amount of French. I think it's important to conserve your dialect. um and i especially because i had i used to speak a dialect at home and another dialect and the people in bangalore also they see that oh yeah well the bangalorean kannada that's the right kannada and everybody else is speaking that's the dialect i think it's important to know that everybody has their own dialect everybody should uh, conserve it it's not it's not something that should go away and we should it's important to conserve it as well yeah not The French should not be that adamant about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can change uh, <laughs> the French because uh, it, you see, it's far more uh, unified here than it is in England, uh, the United Kingdom, or in Germany for that matter. I think you see more these cultural, sorry, little uh, deviations and accents and stuff there than over here. Uh, you're right. South of France does have a very pronounced accent, but I think that's the only exception. And I don't even think it's a dialect; it's only an accent. so it doesn't have its own special a couple of words do exist like cagoule i know it's a derogatory word for uh, a woman uh, this is a very marseillais word which is not very uh, existent here up north but people do know it uh, you catch a random parisian so it doesn't make uh, marseillais that much of a dialect it's only an accent you know and there was this thing called alsacien as well in the eastern part of france where they uh, share a border with germany and this part was partly germany partly france partly and it kept huddling uh, like that So if you went there today uh, to Alsace, Strasbourg, the city, you will see the boards are they sound German, but it's a French city. Uh, they had a local dialect called Alsacien, which was extinguished, uh, where the uh, government ta- taught them to learn French, and that was the standard language, Académie Française. 
and you had to stick to this grammar book you know so in india of course it doesn't happen uh, you can't go to a north karnataka guy and say oh all of these words are out to the trash now you go with the bangalore words because that's proper um but that definitely happened here so uh, mm-hmm. absolutely unified there yeah is this the same case in norwegian as well aditi or no the norwegians they are very adamant about preserving their dialects i mean you you can find so many different dialects and they're very adamant of conserving it and they have two different types of writing uh, like norwegian written norwegian is different to that because they can they have one that is more like oslo, oslo rich people da, da, more danish derived uh, uh, norwegian and there's one more like local dialect and they're very they're, they've done a very good job really like they they don't feel embarrassed about speaking it right. and speaking their dialect and where they're coming from it and they've done have, well. have you seen this tv show called uh, ragnarok on uh, netflix yeah yeah yeah, it, yeah 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 you can it's follow without subtitles hmm. and stuff yeah 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 that's mad and the better norwegian show would be scum uh, okay. which is a, a a teenage show as well uh, it has been like there's a scum norway there's a scum france they've all taken the, the show uh where you can really understand french a uh, norwegian uh, can understand norwegian yeah. that it's not a goal yeah. for me but just listening to them it they just uh, it just sounds impossible like yeah. for example if i listen to dutch relative to i was learning german mm-hmm. first first so when i listen to dutch of mm-hmm. course it's still foreign but there are many words that i can pick up when they say klein it's the same as in german so i can mm-hmm. pick up these little mm-hmm. words but when i was listening to mm-hmm. norwegian it just felt like a different beast altogether as like everything is so new <laughs> Yeah yeah no I think this is just the way they speak it but there are a lot of english words that have been loaned from uh, yeah that they have taken or maybe english has taken from norwegian okay. maybe I, I yeah say that way and it's also very it's uh, similar to german as well german and english if you know both them you can no- learn norwegian very easily and you can understand swedish and you can understand swedish you can read danish because the danish they speak it in a very, speak very weird that's mad but also the fact that it's a first language there right you learned it it is a first language for her and that's an added advantage here if you see people will not learn kannada even after living for 40 years in bangalore or karnataka for that matter and it's not just about you know if it's inculcated into education probably they will pick it up a little more faster and it will become mandatory for them to speak so yeah i think kannada and uh, indian languages for that matter really are at a disadvantage i hope they were not but in the reality they are I, i'm a kannada boy in and out i was born and raised there so i am a kannadiga by every measure uh, but if you gave me a kannada newspaper i studied kannada for like 8 9 years or something but if you gave me a kannada newspaper i am is not going to excel at that because uh, we always have an english alternative we studied our first language in english of course this may not be the case for aditi she was doing everything in norwegian so while she can compete in english she is also uh, competing in norwegian but kannadigas i don't think are necessarily competing in kannada you know even the even the books right the literature most of them preferred uh, a translated version they don't really read the original kannada literature and that is kind of like that is the reason why uh, people Uh, don't pick up the language easily and when everyone starting to speak good amount of kannada people who come and settle in bangalore will also be forced to learn the language and this is just an example again cities all over india face a very similar problem. yeah and i'm studying at ahmedabad but i can see a similar problem most of them speak hindi and very few speak gujarati there and um, i thought you know it might be an opportunity to learn gujarati pick it up 
but not not many know gujarati very similar to here yeah so it's a problem also. yeah i did feel that in france as well of course our course itself was in english but i was thinking well these are french people whose first language was french for most part of their life and they are more comfortable with french than english so i should be able to speak in french with them when i land in france right uh, but uh, they were trying to polish their english for their career growth um and now french is lesser of an opportunity uh, uh, as a priority than is i think there's the same case in in india as well where we are trying to polish up our english for our ca- career reasons and that we don't give that much of an importance to hindi or kannada um like we're supposed to true yeah so um have there been any kind of funny experiences or or misunderstandings that you have been through uh through language or they have misunderstood you or they have not uh, yeah anything like that uh yeah so many is this supposed to be like pg 18 or something is it classified for kids or <laughs> preferably i say but it's fine yeah. uh, so it was uh, the first of january i had a couple of friends from church mm-hmm. over and uh, uh, after church finished on the 31st night we uh, stayed at another friend's house and in the morning i offered to go down and get some croissant and some coffee and uh, uh, orange juice for those who need that so i go into the, uh, they have this thing called monoprix it's like a small uh, big bazaar kind of thing but a really small one so i went in and i picked my orange juice i picked the ready made croissant and stuff and i wanted to pay and i just noticed that the orange juice box did not say that it doesn't have preservatives um and one of our friends had asked for please pick the one um, she said it to me in english uh, please pick the one without preservative i was like all right cool i'll do that so i went and i didn't say without preservative so i asked the lady behind the counter uh, there was no one else luckily <laughs> i asked the lady behind the counter are you sure that this thing doesn't have preservatives and then she turns red and then she says uh, why are you being so impolite i said I I only want to know if there are preservatives uh please give me the one without and I give it back to her and she won't touch the bottle and she's like what's wrong with you should I call the cops should I do you need do you want trouble I was like what happened and my friend next to me is rolling on the floor he's like can you intervene and solve this problem there's clearly a misunderstanding so in french the word preservatif i i was speaking in french of course and i i just take the english word and i say it in french the french word preservatif means condoms and the, the uh, french word for preservatives is conservateur and then i ex- explained mm. to, but she was so shocked and i explained to her uh, <laughs> i didn't know that i thought i spoke french i didn't know that <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i think in french as well if you say je suis chaud that's extremely wrong you should say il fait chaud like for if you have, i'm warm or it's hot or something she also yeah you're you're right just to show is uh, sexual also in english we say i'm excited about the strip you know and if you just translate that word for word just is excité it also is very sexual so. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other <laughs> uh, funny yeah i mean it was frustrating for me but i think it's funny um, if you look back at it because the french are, like you said are so particular about their pronunciation so i uh, when i got my first job in paris in 2019 after two years of school in france um I, my first day of work i had to go to the client site which is in this city next to paris called perer levallois that's the name of the city uh, so i looked it up on google maps because they gave me the address and i looked at the directions uh, and i have to take the line c that's the train so i have to take the line c uh, and i know that it's like seven stops from where i stay 
um, and I picked my house based on this because the client's house is where client's place is where I'm supposed to go. So I knew I'm not in the wrong. I know what's happening. I've seen it on Google Maps. Life is good. Uh, so I go up to this lady and say, hey, I don't have a ticket for today, the card. So can you please give me the ticket to go one way to Claire Levalois? And then I'll buy uh, the, the monthly pass when I'm there because I'm late for work now. And then she's like, where do you want to go? And, and I repeat the place. And the place is spelled funnily. It's P-E-R-E-I-R-E. And I don't know how to pronounce it. So Perrier, per, I, I don't know. I, it's a proper noun. I don't know. But my French is fine. I, I say a whole proper sentence. And I was like, something that starts with P, ma'am. And it's in seven stops. Exactly seven stops. And she goes, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, ma'am, on the line C, if you went due south, there's a place that starts with P. And the second word is Levalwa. This I'm pronouncing right for sure. And then she says, no, I don't know what, what you're talking about. Please let the queue for someone who can speak French. And I was just so pissed. And I, I was, because it was open in my Google Maps and I showed her my phone. I was like, can you see this is where I want to go? It's seven stops away. Can I have a ticket, please? And then I said it in French. And then she says, uh, I don't see your screen very well. So uh, to a point where it can be arrogant, you, you said it right, uh, Aditi. They are very specific about the pronunciation, uh, and which means everyone pronounces stuff right. Others are not understood. But to a point where it can be arrogant, you know, where it, when you get the message, there's an expression in French, mettre bâton dans les rues, to, to put sticks in your in your wheels. When the wheel is going around, you put a stick in between. So if they get the message, they won't just pass on saying that, okay, I get the message, let's go go on. He's not doing a good job with pronunciation, but never mind. No, they'll they'll pause the entire meeting and, and they'll correct your pronunciation first and they'll make sure that you pronounce mm. it right. Uh, <laughs> when you know exactly what, yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. Now, why you're so fluent and why you took the effort to be so fluent in French? <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, guys, if you gave me a random city in uh, the United Kingdom, if you read it out to me, I can write it for you. And the English uh, are very good with this transparency. What you hear is similar to what you write, or at least you can guess it. It'll be in the ballpark. But in French, it's not the case. If someone just says a new city that I've never been to before, um, I don't think I can write it down. There's a T that is not pronounced. There's an X that is not pronounced. You can never write it down, you know? Yeah, it's a frustrating language. But I don't think even the French could do that. I don't think they themselves could write uh, the, the name of the city, probably. Yeah, but we consume so much of American media and English media like Harry Potter and stuff. They did all of that in French. So uh, their cultural relevances uh, for France is extremely high. They know 10 times more the cities than we would know. Uh, I've never been to Lucknow, for example, but I know exactly how it's spelt. I know there's a Lucknowi biryani. Uh, so if a French guy who's learning Hindi, I know more than him. So a French guy over here knows more than me about the cities and stuff. Yeah. So I think with that, we have come to an end of our podcast now. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us. This conversation was so much fun and really insightful and provided us this kind of insight over language learning. So thank you so much again. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow our podcast and stay tuned for new episodes.